What's up, y'all? Last year, we got the chance to be on our friend Andrew and Katie May's podcast, Story and Growth, and talk about embracing discomfort. There's so much value in this episode, and we are honored we get to share it with you. If you haven't checked out Story and Growth podcast yet, make sure you head over and subscribe. We're excited for y'all to hear this, and as always, let us know your biggest takeaways. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. We're Brandon and Megan Giggling, and we give real talk and real solutions to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. Whether you are on step one or years into your own personal growth journey, we've got the tools you need to level up. So if you want to stop making excuses, start taking action, and grow into the person you are meant to be, then pop in your headphones and let's do this. You ready? This is the Fools in Love Podcast. Oh gosh, thanks guys for having us on today. We are so excited. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. I wondered, I was thinking about how to start this uh, episode off, and I was wondering if you guys could just share a little bit about your entry into personal development and kind of where you guys came from. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So like for us, we were kind of to a place where for a lot of our lives, we just kind of went with the flow. Like we just, we did what the world told us you should do to be happy, and we kind of lived on autopilot for a long time. And then we finally got to a place where we were like, you know, this really isn't where we want to be or what we want to be doing. I mean, by that point we were married, we didn't have kids yet. We were pre-kids, but we were kind of in a place where we were both overall just uh, unhappy. I mean, I, I don't like to say like we were miserable or anything, but we were just kind of just living that life, like flatlining. And we never really considered personal growth as a as an avenue for that. And honestly, we kind of stumbled upon it accidentally. Really, what we got to a place was we tried a lot of different things and nothing seemed to be working. And then Megan actually started taking on a fitness path and started running and started getting out there. And I watched her from afar, not really getting it, kind of going, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's good for you, but Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit on, I'm going to sit on the couch and basically complain that things aren't changing but I'm not actually going to change anything. Which I can laugh about now but that's mm-hmm. the reality of how we lived. And so once she started going out and doing that and really getting on that that fitness path, I I quickly around that time was searching for something and and I kind of grabbed onto that fitness thing too. And that's really where we started. We started with that idea that like we can better ourselves through fitness and that kind of opened the door to everything else for us along the way. Nice. So for the, um, I guess the fitness, like what did that path look like for you, Megan? Like you just started one day you're like, ah, I think I'm going to go run or, or like, how, what did that look like? Yeah, it was uh, 2018 and my mom texted my sister and me and said, Hey, you guys should do the crim, which is a Michigan run. It's a 10 mile run. And I was like, yeah, mom, that sounds perfect. Except I don't run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, by she's the way. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, well, I mean, you know, you can just start training now. It was the spring when the, the race is in August. So I was like, yeah, I'll think about it. And of course, a few days later, I came to the realization that, heck, yeah, I'm going to run this 10 mile race. Let's do this. And so I just started out with a mile and then I did two and worked my way up to 10. And once I did that, it kind of just opened my eyes to the fact that I can really do anything. I can, if I can tackle 10 miles, why not a half marathon? And if I can do all that, then why not focus outside of fitness at that point and, and do other things? So 
Nice. It's just kind of, yeah. And Brandon, while all this is happening, are you kind of watching her and a little bit maybe spiteful, a little bit kind of like, oh, whatever, you know, or are you kind of like, what, what, what did that look like from the sidelines? Yeah. I mean, during that time, I mean, I was, I was really struggling with like this whole reality of like the meaning of life. Like Mm -hmm. what, what is, what is my purpose here? And and I was really grappling with that. I call it my mid midlife crisis uh, (laughs) because I really, I really didn't know like what I should be doing. So like I saw her doing that and I saw she was getting enjoyment out of that. Uh, I would never say that I was like spiteful of it because I, I really, I really tried to encourage her, yeah. but I didn't get it. I mean, I still just sat there and it took me a decent amount of time before I really started to be like, Hey, this is something I want to do. This is a path that I want to take because I see the difference it's making in her mm-hmm. and her well being, her mental stamina and everything else. And I'm like, I'm going to check this out. And so I, one night I remember saying, Hey, don't pass out but I think I'm going to go for a run tonight. <laughs> and it had I been like, what? <laughs> and at that point I hadn't done anything fitness related in mm-hmm. nine years. Yeah. Wow. So it was a, uh, it was a, it was a big step to do that. And I've never turned back from since that point. Yeah. Those first couple of weeks, I feel like are sometimes the, the hardest getting back into running or getting back into exercise period or trying out some sort of new scary thing. Um, and yeah, we wanted to talk a little bit about like, getting outside of our comfort zone. And, and so as you kind of were doing this maybe new and uncomfortable thing, what sort of benefits did you find? Um, or how did you see dominoes kind of falling in other areas of your life? So this, this health thing's kind of going on. Um, what did the path look like for, uh, just other avenues of, you know, you, you feeling like you were getting out of that rut that you were in? Right. We definitely felt like we were both getting out of the rut for me. It kind of morphed almost at the same time. I don't know the exact timeline, but I was like, I think I'm going to start a blog. Brandon's like, okay, yeah, you, you should. You've, you've kind of talked about it in, you know, past, past experiences. And I started like a little family blog years before that. And it just never really did anything because I didn't, I mean, I used it as a diary, not really a blog. Mm-hmm. And so I just decided like, hey, I'm going to do this and because the running thing was already a well-established thing, I felt like I could get the blog up and continue on that. And then by, I don't know, December of 2018, Brandon came to me, stood in my doorway in my office and said, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. I was like, <laughs> oh, are you? Do you want to do, do it together? You want me to be on it with you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. So it just kind of naturally, like we just added all these little projects until, until we got to where we are today. Nice. So you started your podcast like a year ago, essentially. It was, was um, it was, yeah, it was January, 2019, January of 2019. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, a, a, a year and some change ago, we, uh, we started up, but, uh, we started development of that, like Meg said, in like December of, uh, 2018. Yeah. So what was your original vision for the podcast and like what, what was the impetus for that? You know, it just like we're talking about the domino effect. So like I, I start implementing some of these things that I'm learning and I start like deciding that like, hey, if I if I can do these things, then like it, it really makes a difference. And in much like anything else, when you start to do something that you know is really making a difference and could help other people, man, do you want to get out there and share that with everybody else? Yeah. And so to be honest, it, it was never the intent was never a personal growth podcast. I was never like you know, 
this is what we're going to do. We're going to start out. We're going to do a personal growth podcast. No, it was like, I just want to talk about life. I just feel like we have so many experiences. And I know from looking at y'all's, y'all's experiences too, you just, you have something to share. Mm -hmm. And if you've gone through any struggle, if you've gone through anything in your life, like that gives you the presence to be able to share all of those experiences. And really we try in our, in, in, in every day to show people mm -hmm. our faults and our mistakes and that you can get to the other side of this thing because I feel like much of the time people could look at you, they could look at us, they could say, you guys are in this place or you look at whoever you look up to and you say, you're in this place. But they didn't just get to that place by accident. They went through a lot of things to get there. And a lot of times I feel like that can be missed. Yeah, we we chose a unique path for the uh, the very first episode of our podcast. It was called I Had an Affair. It was about an affair that I had had uh, like within the first two years of our marriage. And, um, we didn't, it wasn't like a shock jock kind of thing. Like let's, let's shock everybody out of the gate. It was more so, uh, wanting to share with others, like this is some hard real shit that we've dealt with. And, um, we want you to know if you're going through something similar to this, like that you can work your way through this, that, you know, nothing is, um, it's not game over. Like we, we did a full year of therapy and got to a really good place to where we felt like we could share our story, um, with yeah. the world. I mean, I still think we had to kind of overcome some of those beliefs that you have. And I, I've heard other people kind of talk about even people that are like really out there and, um, sharing their thoughts, that voice, it's kind of like, nobody's going to care what I have to say. How did you, did you guys feel that at all? Or, not. I mean, some people don't, I don't think, but I just wonder how people overcome it. Yeah. We still feel like that a lot of times we're like, why are we even, does it even matter? Mm -hmm. Right. So does anyone care? Does anyone listen to this thing? Are we just spending all this time doing this for no reason? And I think at the end of the day, we've kind of had to remember like, you know, our families may or may not listen or our friends that we grew up with may or may not listen. Most of them don't. But the people that we're trying to reach just aren't those people. Yeah. So the people, the people, the tribe, the, the community, however you want to phrase it, that have really resonated with us are the people that are like us. Maybe not the people that we grew up with. Maybe they're not, you know, the exact same person that we are because they grew up in the same place and lived in the same houses and all those things. But they're, they're sharing those same experiences with us. And I think that keeping that in mind is really the key. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you can definitely be afraid of being judged by other people. We were uh, initially, and I, you know, so, with some of the content that we share still, I feel like, oh, what if people judge us for this? But like w one, one conclusion we came to was that um, even if nobody's listening at all, like Katie and I still get a lot out of this intentional time that we have set aside together. So we'll take, you know, 30 minutes to an hour to sit down and talk about some stuff. And um, we kind of discovered that a couple episodes ago that like we are still continuing to get something out of it. So it's not, you know, for nothing. So yeah. that's been cool. And I feel like it's, it's pushed us. And I don't know if you guys have felt this way, like to commit to something that you're kind of claiming, it's like you are committing to that and you're putting it out there. And it's kind of like you, I mean, you can just like be like, Oh, we're not going to keep showing up for that. But it feels more significant once you've kind of made a claim, like we're going to start a podcast and we're going to, I feel like it's helped me to really push through that discomfort, that, that feeling of just like, nobody's going to care 
well, you said you were going to show up for it, so yep. it's time. <laughs> yeah, it's so true because, and that's the thing, like you, you've committed to it weekly. It's something that you guys are doing together, like you said, Andrew, and it allows you to get to a place where like you're being transparent enough, you're trying to better yourself. And I feel maybe not y'all, but I feel like I'm a hypocrite if I don't like live up to what I'm, what I'm talking to everyone else about. Like if I'm going to sit there and tell people they should get serious about their fitness, they should get serious about their personal growth, then like I don't have the right to just lay off, you know, any other time Mm -hmm. because I've actually, I would want to practice what I preach. I want to make sure that I'm showing up every day in the way that I'm telling everyone to do. Now, do I always do that? I'm going to tell you right now. No, no, I'd be lying to you if I said that's what I always do, but I do try to hold myself to that, to that standard. And like you said, Katie, I mean, for those of you who don't know, you start a podcast, you start something like this. It's a weekly thing. Like you have to, you have to continue on with this, and it's very easy for people to give up. But all the people that are successful are the people that refuse to give up and showed up even when they didn't feel like it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's such an important point. Like commitment and really just consistency with it. And I think that's hard. It's hard to sort of shift your brain because. We live in a society and a culture that's such a fast, like, give it to me now, um, easy, instant access that you really do kind of have to retrain your brain to think about those small daily things that you do that stack up over time. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Because it is, it is those little things. We often get stuck on those big overarching moments. Like we, we focus on that in life, but the only way you get to those big moments is by stacking up those little moments throughout. And we always talk about celebrating the small wins too, because we were on our other podcast recently where they were asking us like, when do you celebrate? Like if you're constantly trying to improve, when are you able to ever celebrate? And it's like, you celebrate the whole time. You celebrate for every small step you're taking because like Andrew said, whether it's you two listening or maybe you look and you have, you know, 10 listeners, 20, hundreds. It doesn't really matter because the fact is you built this up from nothing. Yeah. So any it, you can take that for anything that you're doing. When you start from zero, you can only go up. Yeah. And an added benefit of podcasting is you're showing up for others and helping others, but you're also showing up for yourself and and putting those checks in place for yourself of, you know, just like what you were saying, Brandon, like you're going to hold yourself to a bit higher of a standard. You know, back to what you were saying about Katie, what you were saying about staking a claim on like who you are. Did either one of y'all feel resistance from people whenever you started to really like take ownership of who you were and, and say like, this is who we are every day, even still, even still yeah. every day. They just like, or pe- they don't care. Or they, it's either, it's one of two things. They don't care or they just don't get it. And listen, if you're going to live off of what other people are thinking and saying about you and, and letting that change your life, you, I just believe you're doing it the wrong way. You can never sit there and let people, other people tell you what you're going to be because at the end of the day, you have to live with you. And so you need to commit to that. But I mean, every single day, Andrew, I mean, the people closest to us too. I mean, we have some people that are supportive, but many of them just either don't listen. They say they don't get it and they just don't understand. And, you know, they're, I, I, I get some flack when I say this, but I'll say it here. Not everyone is your people. Like they're just not all your people. That doesn't mean they're not your family. That doesn't mean you can't love them. That doesn't mean they're not your friends. 
but they're not all like your people and your group and your stage of life because the reality is most people don't live with a growth mindset. They don't live with that idea that like they can better themselves. We do a lot of complaining in this world, but a few of us do a lot of things that we're actively trying to do to be proactive and better ourselves every day. Yeah. I mean, it really is like an overhaul of yourself. And I think that's really hard for people to understand if they aren't on that journey or on that path. I mean, I think it's available to everyone. And that's sort of my goal in trying to be a health coach and just try to at least focus on people's health. Because I, I think that is where I also entered into personal development is, you know, really focusing on fitness and health and um, habits and trying to really create a life that I was proud of. And um, I think I shared this morning on my Instagram about, you know, my why is because I, I don't want to just die healed. I want to live healed. I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, what's left? What did I not do? Did I take the opportunities? Did I really embrace myself? Did I really embrace who I wanted to be? Not what the world said I needed to be or, or this person said I needed to be. And so I think it's really important that we ask ourselves those questions. But I think for a lot of people, it doesn't really cross their mind. And so I think it's really hard for them to look at other people and be like, oh, I could do that because they've just never allowed themselves to dream. Yeah, you have to be willing to kind of live dangerously and do the dreaming because I think, like you said, people are super scared of that dream. We actually went to Rise Business in November and we had to do this exercise where you had to basically write down your biggest, craziest, insane, most insane dreams and then share them with a complete stranger. And you almost felt like you had to hold back on what you were writing so that you wouldn't have to share the crazy things that went through your head. And then when you told them, you, you kind of wanted to censor yourself. But I think that if we, you know, more often just blurted it out to the world, like I think if everybody lived that way, then we'd get a lot more done and have a lot bigger dreams because we're always just so concerned about censoring ourselves and making us making our dreams smaller so that they fit with what the world wants. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that's where I met you guys at Rise Business, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. Yep, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I, I mean, I'm kind of new to this dreaming world. Like I, you know, from a young age, I kind of knew I wanted to be a nurse. And so that didn't really like lend itself to like, oh, what else could you do? It was just kind of like, this was the path I chose. And so I really didn't think much about like, what else could there be until the last couple of years? And I think now looking back, it's like, what is it about a lot of people that they just kind of get in this path and they don't think that they can go outside of the path. And I don't think I have an answer for that, but if you guys do, I would love to hear it. (laughs) I, I, I think the, I think the reality is from a very young age, we're limited by the people that love us the most because they want, they don't want to see us make a mistake and they're Mm -hmm. doing it out of love. They're doing it out of a place where, they're trying to keep you realistic about your expectations so that you don't get hurt later. And mm-hmm. I think from a very young age, we condition, we were conditioned as kids. We condition our kids to say, Hey, that's a great thing that you want to do, but you might want to try this more realistic thing. Or as you get older, it gets real where like you, you get by teachers and coaches and people, and there's a lot of great people there. So don't get me wrong. But there's also a lot of people that are trying to do what's best for you. 
And by doing that, they're limiting you. They're not actually Mm -hmm. teaching you that you can go beyond a certain thing, which is why we can get conditioned into a place that we live the life that our parents lived and that they live the life that their parents lived. And you're kind of just, it's a perpetual cycle that you can't break out of because no one can see out of their current circumstance. And that's a, a real deep answer, I guess, to, to what we were talking about. But I've, I've reflected on this a lot. And, and, and again, I think it's from a good place, but it doesn't always like give you the best result that you may want. <laughs> yeah, I feel like fear of failure paralyzes people from not doing or not living their, their biggest dreams, um, not doing the things that they truly are passionate about or uh, that may result in them ultimately like failing. And I, we talk about this a good bit, but like failure is one of the best teachers. Do you feel like, uh, kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but like what has been your biggest failure and what have you learned from that? Can you guys think of any examples? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. Uh, <laughs> so I think probably the biggest one and the most important one would be just the the almost failure of our marriage. Uh, back mm. in 2012, we got to a place where, I mean, I was just, I was straight up done. I was like, yeah. I, I'm not interested anymore. Like, this is, this is, this is over for me. I know you don't feel that, but for me, I just, I, I've checked out. I don't want to do this anymore. And that, I mean, we were, you know, on the brink of failure. And so that was just a really crazy experience. And on the other side of that, you know, I can say that it was absolutely worth fighting for, but I sure didn't believe it at the time. And that was going to be a failure that mm-hmm. Brandon saved. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't me, it was him. But he did the hard work of, of saving us so that we could get through that failure and learn that our marriage is absolutely worth fighting for any day of the week. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What, what turned the corner? Like what made you guys decide to choose each other? So the short answer to that is I'm a very stubborn man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the long answer would be, look, I mean, when, when your wife comes to you and basically says, you know, it's over, you really got to look in the mirror. Like you can get to a place where you just get mad or upset or angry. And trust me, I went through all those emotions But then you kind of got to look in the mirror at yourself and realize like there's two people in this relationship. So what am I bringing? What am I doing that might be contributing to her unhappiness? And what could I do to change that in order to try to be, you know, the best version of myself and in turn be the best man for her and give her what she needs? So during that reflection, I I really realized that I just took a lot of it for granted. I just Mm -hmm. lived again, like on autopilot. I just said, well, we're married now. And so I don't really need to do anything further in this relationship because Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. it's there. She's always going to be there. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us live this way in the dating stage. You know, you're wooing your partner, you're taking them on dates, you're doing a ton of different things to impress them, to like try to, you know, make them happy and do what you can do. But then you get into this marriage thing. And the reason a lot of marriages fail is because you get into this autopilot where you're like, well, they're just going to be there. So I don't really have to put effort there. So then I would put effort on everything else because that I didn't have to worry about. Well, as it turns out, I did need to worry about it. So Mm. when I started to kind of turn that corner and say, listen, I need to show up and I need to be the man that she needs me to be. And I literally pursued her like we were first starting to date again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I started trying to take her on dates. I started to do that. And, and a lot of it was resistance and a lot of it was frustrating, but I never stopped pursuing her. 
because I knew that there was something more important there at the end of the tunnel. And we're living proof of that today. And I say that in complete transparency because I feel like a lot of people, once they get to that end place, it's easier just to walk away. And I think y'all would argue too, it's not easier to walk away. It's, it might be easier in essence because you don't have to worry about that anymore. But like if you take that into everything else in your life, into other relationships, you're just going to continue down that spiral. And you're, right. it, mm-hmm. if you see it through, it can definitely be worth the, the effort in the long run. Yeah, totally. I mean, it reminds me of that saying, like, wherever you go, there you are. So if you don't deal with your shit, (laughs) you're just going (laughs) to take it into the next relationship or the next thing that falls apart. And I think we've certainly like been awakened to that in the past year of our marriage, just realizing um, we each bring such unique beauty to our marriage if we choose to. And and it is a daily choosing. Like we get to choose every day that we're going to show up for each other the best we can. And yes, we fail. Yes, we fight. I mean, we had a fight this morning about groceries and health food. <laughs> yep. um, no judgment there. No judgment it's a recurrent there. fight we have. Um, but, you know, it's like... Can we continue to learn and grow together? Can we continue to learn how to communicate and how to share our biggest worries? And really, to me, it comes down to vulnerability. Like, how willing are each of you to get vulnerable and to really get naked, like not just physically, but emotionally naked with each other to really see each other's soul? Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the biggest things for for us was that I did have to break down the wall. I had built up a wall that was so tall that he was never going to get in. And he he was, he was relentless and he did start chipping away. But eventually I had to say, okay, enough is enough. I will let you back in. And, you know, really, like you said, bear my soul and be vulnerable. Yeah, it's scary. Speaking of discomfort, I mean, that is probably, I think it's Brene Brown that says vulnerable, like to love is the most vulnerable act. I mean, to really, truly love and share our souls with each other, that is scary. Scary. Yeah. 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 And I mean, that that vulnerability thing is is the number one. I mean, and we're to the place now where we, we talk to all of our listeners about this every week, probably sick of hearing about it. But like, we are as transparent as you can possibly be. Like if there mm-hmm. is a moment of time where something is up, we, we're to the point where we know it and we share it. Because why let it underlie? Why let it be there and kind of build up into something bigger? Why not just have the argument about the groceries, like you guys said, and and mm-hmm. have it out for the moment, and then you know move on to a better place rather than letting it build up and building up that additional resentment over time until it eventually explodes. Yeah, yeah, and I find vulnerability to be contagious. Like when. When we shared our story, our initial podcast of just like, hey, this is my darkest secret. Here it is, world. Um, and, and kind of claiming ownership over that. There were so many people that reached out that were like, hey, we have dealt with similar or hey, we have a different, unique situation, but we just wanted to tell someone about it. Um, so I find that vulnerability is very cyclical and and yeah. um, like is really powerful in helping other people to not feel alone. Just even, even when you guys started talking about how your marriage almost failed, I was like, Oh shit. Like, wow. Um, and I think that that helps other people to realize too, that 
we're all imperfect. You can look at, you know, celebrities or, or certain people on Instagram and just see how glorified everything looks in their curated feed and just be like, man, they're, they're just perfect. But when you are vulnerable enough to say like, Hey, our marriage almost failed or, you know, I had an affair or, um, we had a miscarriage. It's, there's so many people that reach out with similar stories or they feel, um, connected to your story. And, um, I think that's a really powerful thing. Yeah. I totally think so. I mean, I think there is that discomfort though of, you know, I think a lot of people want to be vulnerable, but it feels so scary that they don't do it. And so I wondered if you guys like have any thoughts about, about that and how you've kind of pushed through, it sounds like a lot in your marriage, at least to be vulnerable with each other and words of wisdom for other people who are kind of on the brink, but they like hold themselves back. Yeah, I think our number one would just be that when you're ready to have the conversation, you need to time the conversation So and be willing to do more than one conversation, by the way. So, you know, pick a good time because vulnerability is going to bring up emotions, right? You can't do this as you're heading out to work. Well, now that no one's working, but in a normal situation where it's not COVID, people are heading out to work or they're getting home and need to make dinners and do homework and all these things. Those are not the times to try to be vulnerable. You need to do it when the kids are not there, when there's time to reflect, when there's time to actually have these conversations. And then when that conversation for that moment is over, agree that you can come back to that if you need to. I think that so many times we want to just hurry up and have these conversations and get it all out in the open, but we don't spend the time totally having the conversation. We just have this little snippet. And so for us, it's really been about timing the conversations, right? So that we can get in all the points and all the things that we need to say. Yeah. What about you, Brandon? You got any, anything you want to sling? You know, I mean, when you're talking about the the thing is like the, the reason you talked about like being on your podcast and being the way, way we are on here and the way, the way we approach everything. Mm-hmm. And the main reason I did that is because from the start, I said, you know what? I know that being vulnerable will connect me to other people because I know there's a lot of people struggling and there's this like seedy underbelly of the world that no one wants to talk about these things, yet a lot of people experience them. Like you said, every time you bring them up, they come up. And the thing is, at the start of doing all this, the people I resonated with the most were the people, and that I love to listen to, were the people that were honest with where they were coming from, were the people who broke down the walls and showed their vulnerability because... The thing is, we're all dealing with stuff that, that you, you just can't negate it. All of our listeners out there are, are dealing with something, whether it's anything we've mentioned or not, you're dealing with something. But the reality is like, you got to own it. And until mm-hmm. you own it, until you say, like you've said to yourself, like until you look in the mirror and say, you know what, this is who I am. Yeah. So what? So what? I'm still here. I'm still like progressing. That was me in the past. That is not me now. Like, don't let those voices in your head bring you back because they love to do that. I know for me, they they pray all those voices in my head and I can talk about it. You know, I, I think we all know the voice, but the voice in your head that kind of it, it nags at you and pries at you and says, anytime that you're in a place where you're going into any sense of vulnerability or uncertainty, that voice is stronger than ever. And it says, you know, you shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be saying that. What gives you the right to say or do this? What makes you think you're good enough for that? Listen, me and Megan deal with it. I'm sure y'all deal with it. Every listener out there deals with it. But until you tell that face, that person to shut it, I mean, literally Mm -hmm. shut it Mm -hmm. and you push past it. Wow. You want to feel some power. 
that is the most power you can take because you take control. You understand that that voice is not reality because that's the thing. We can get stuck here in that voice and you hear it so often replayed in your head that you think that that's what actually happened or that's reality. And most Mm -hmm. of it in reality is bullshit. That is Mm -hmm. not reality. That Mm -hmm. is not uh, like none of that actually happened. Like, and so once you realize that and once you say, no, 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 stop there. This is what I'm doing. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pursue this. And you push through, you realize how powerful it is to be vulnerable because it opens you up to a whole new thing that you could have never experienced had you just sat back Mm -hmm. and played it safe. Yeah. A little quote came into my mind, own your shit or your shit will own you. Essentially, like, I I think if I'd have held on to some of my, my dark stuff, I'd still be in that place. Um, And yeah, I think sharing it with the world is is super helpful in just overcoming. You take away its power. Yeah. I mean, I think when you speak yeah. it, you know, even if you, like, I think what I hear you talking about is like the stories we create, right? The stories that we make up about whatever it is, not being good enough, not having anything important to say. And I think once you can like really identify those for whatever your voice is saying to you, you start to really catch them a lot more quickly and you're able to shut it down. You're able to be like, no, I know that is not true. That is not reality. Um, And you get to rewrite that story. You get to reclaim, you know, the thoughts you do want to have or the way you do want to show up in the world. Yeah. Yeah, I've named my voice Brad. We we found that, and we encourage like listeners to to name the voice too, because when you name it, it you're able to actually be like, oh, that's that's Brad again. You know, you're not. It, it's not as uh, as unclear that 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 voice is. Um, I, I think it's helpful to to name it. Do you guys have a name? Do you for have your names voice? for your negative you, self talk voice. You know, we've talked about it, and I don't remember if we ever named them. I think we did. I honestly, I am ashamed to admit I forgot because <laughs> we tell our audience the same thing, Andrew. Like, <laughs> I think it's important to like name it. I want to say mine was Connor. If, yeah, I had yeah. to, Connor. if I had to pull it out of the air, I think it was Connor. <laughs> it was. That's it was a good one. Connor. And I think uh, yours was Brenda. Is that right? I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't remember. <laughs> she, okay. she must have had a name at one point. Now I just call her a bitch. You just call her bitch. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, mine's Mama T. I had to All change right. the name a little bit, but it's Mama T for right now. <laughs> it's like this motherly, like um, sugary, like seemingly nice voice, but it's, salty. there's an underneath like undertone of passive aggressive. It's just so nasty. <laughs> yeah, my mine is all, it's, it's basically, it's, it comes in the form of innocent enough at the for, at the beginning, you know, like mm-hmm. just to get in, just to get your attention, you know, like a little wave. And then it just starts, you know, throwing its arms at you and starts really throwing out. Like I, I call them these shotgun statements where it's just like cocking them and just blowing them at you and just mm-hmm. like, you know, really, really trying to knock you off your game. And, and you I know, mean, I've gotten to a place where I know when Connor's out, even if he doesn't tell me. <laughs> like I can, I can tell by the way he wakes up in the morning. What's going on? Like I just I've, over the over the past few years, especially, I would say, like he just has a very a vulnerable f- facade. I would say that yeah. I just am able to know exactly what Connor's thinking. Yeah, and uh, when he when he's uh, rearing his ugly head, and you know what she does in those moments? She calls me on my shit because that's what she has to do. That's what she has to do. And it breaks Connor's it. It breaks house. it right there. <laughs> it, it really does. It breaks it up right there in that moment because you have to face it. 
Because yeah. you can either you can either be dishonest, which I'm not going to do at this point in our relationship. You can either be dishonest about it, or you can own what it is, take, put it out in the open, and then when it's out in the open, we can have the conversation about it because it's usually nothing large. It seems mm-hmm. way bigger than it is, but then when you talk to another person about it, like your partner, a friend, someone, usually like they'll tell you like. Yeah, you know, I've dealt with a similar thing or yeah, you know, I, I have those same type of feelings. And it almost makes you feel a little bit better that you can be a part of like a connection or like a community to say right. like, hey, there are other people dealing with this. I'm not crazy because when we started on this personal growth journey, I remember going to Meg with these meaning of life and purpose questions. And I'm like, you know, the people I see, like they just they don't have these questions. Like if so, is something wrong with me? I mm-hmm. literally thought something was wrong with me because I had everything that the world would say I should have. And mm-hmm. I just was not happy. So I was like, is something wrong with me? I remember having a conversation with Megan and she's like, no, I don't think so. Cause a lot of it, I feel the same way. And it's just like, but you can get stuck in that, that idea. And that even goes back to that voice in your head. Like, I mean, it would tell you that something is wrong with you, but I don't believe right. it is. Totally. Yeah. I feel like we've had times where, I will be grumpy or just kind of have some stuff going on with me and not really even know what it is. So like sometimes Katie will feel that and we, we actually have to kind of like talk it out and figure out what's, what's going on. It's not necessarily just Brad being a dick. It's like me needing to kind of have some probing questions to be able to be like, what, what is going on with me? Um, and we've had a few of those instances where, uh, like they normally end up with me in tears. Cause like, there's a lot of like internal shit that I just, I don't know if I stuff down or if I just d- don't realize like what's happening inside my own head or in my heart. And so, um, having a good partner to kind of be gentle with you and to ask those questions, um, but to also like keep you in check too, I think is really helpful. Yeah. yeah. We, do, we do a lot of that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it definitely goes both ways because, like, he can tell when I'm not like in my best place, and it's like, what's what's up? What's mm-hmm. going on? And it's like, and I hadn't even really thought about it sometimes, like yeah. until there's that question. So I do think it helps to like have a partner who is willing to ask the hard questions. And yeah, and I think a good question is, what do you need? Um, like, like in that moment, instead of being like, you're really grumpy today or whatever, like what do you need? I think is a very, what do you need right now? I think is a great question. Uh, we were having, like we, we got to this little zoo, our, our podcast late and like, I was kind of running, I don't know. I was getting a little stressed out and Katie was like, what do you need right now? <laughs> like instead of like, dude, what's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. So, um, I think that's a good question to ask. What do you now, need right now, now the, the one thing I would add to that, just to like, for some of the listeners out there, cause I get like, we're all, all four of us here We're it sounds like we're all very open to that conversation and we're all open to like having that conversation, but that was not the way we always were. And so yeah. like the reality is there's a lot of people that just like, you know, one or the other might be ready for that conversation. The other person's not. And then it's really easy to just give up. And me and Megan were in that place and and I just didn't give up because it would have been really easy for me to throw my hands up and walk away too, because that was the easiest avenue to go in that moment. But, you know, like Meg said earlier, you got to kind of choose your moments because like if you go to someone in a certain time and they might brush you off, they might say there's nothing wrong and you know there's something wrong. 
just come back at another time because it might just not be the time because Andrew, I can count on, uh, I could count on all my hands and toes the times where Megan has asked me if something's wrong. And, and in the moment I felt like, no, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. You know, the easy, easy mm-hmm. thing to say, but then like just reflecting, I'm saying things all of a sudden that I didn't even know were there at all. I'm just like, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Like I, at the end of it, I'm like, yeah. So I guess that's me, me in a I nutshell. That was my nothing. <laughs> uh, that was my nothing. But like, I just, I, I just caution people to say because I, I know a lot of people out there are dealing with a partner who may not be as receptive, mm-hmm. and so I think maybe y'all could speak to it too. But I know for us, like we were in a place where that definitely was the case, but it still didn't stop one or the other of us from pursuing it, rather than both of you, you know, giving up. Or being like, well, they're not going to ever change, so I'm just going to stay back here. I think mm-hmm. you know, picking your moment, modeling the behaviors like that you'd like to see, is yeah. always helpful, and and trying to just open up the door to the conversation. Yeah, I, th- I think picking your moment is a really good. Um, that's a good word, Katie. You used to kind of shut down whenever we would get into arguments, and you just would like. Not you just want to hibernate. And so I think not getting frustrated, not getting angry with the person because that's how they're responding. Uh, but yeah, choosing your moments, being patient. Um, and like it, as you did, Brandon, continuing the pursuit and not just not just giving giving up. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's so easy when you're feeling threatened or scared. It's easy to shut down or just like double down on whatever it is and I think we've both realized that it, you know, it takes one of us kind of extending that olive branch, uh, even when the other person isn't quite ready. Um, I've noticed after we've like done, we've done a lot of therapy and a lot of work on communicating and I, but I'll still feel like that thing, like, no, I'm right. I got to hang on to this. I'm yeah. not going to buckle down. I'm not going to let him win. And then all of a sudden I'll be like, one of you is going to have to. So if you're feeling that pull, it should be you this time. Like, and so I'll start to like soften a little bit and maybe step back and just sort of say like, I'm sorry if what I said was hurtful or whatever the conversation is like, one of you is going to have to kind of start to come to the middle first um, until you're both ready. Um, So I would just say like, it is a process. It's, It's like a dance. It's not ever like this thing, I think where we were, especially initially kind of working on ourselves, it was like, it was like a negotiation. (laughs) Yeah. And I, you talk about this a lot, but I think curious questions versus accusational questions, um, or, or demands basically like coming from a place of curiosity always is, is a safer and, and more like from the other person's perspective, it's a, it's a better place for them to enter into, um, yeah, because if you're curious, it's it's there's less stakes. It feels like to just answer curious, probing questions. Yeah, yeah. I I, I always say like to to everyone out there, like if if it, like how would you like to be approached? Like if something was wrong, how would you like to be approached? So then in turn, like that's how you should be approaching anyone else. Because I think like you can always get to a place where you're like, hey, what's wrong with you? What's up? You know, and, and if you're already in a vulnerable or a place where your vulnerability or your place where you're upset, like that's not going to be the thing that that opens you up to a conversation. Like you're just going right. to feel judged in that moment. Mm-hmm. But like if you think about, I always, I always personally think about like how I would like to be approached in that situation, and then I try to 
reflect that in any of my communication that I'm having with the other person. And that seems to make it a lot easier because when you think about yourself in their shoes, it makes it easier for you to kind of communicate and, and approach them because then you're not looking at it from your lens. You're looking at it from theirs. Yeah. I think introspection is really huge just all around. Every Everybody needs to be a little bit more introspective and to uh, just kind of take inventory of like how they're presenting themselves and um, what they can t- contribute to the conversation to, to help benefit a positive outcome instead of winning. You know, like I, I think when ego a lot of times enters the equation. And so, um, you know, I think being introspective really helps. Yeah. And being willing to kind of humble yourself to, you know, that compassionate place of, okay, maybe I don't know everything and maybe I'm not, maybe I don't need to be right in this moment. And maybe it's really more about, like you said, sort of how would I want to be approached in this and and really shifting that perspective so that you can look at that other person with compassion and love instead of whatever, usually I'm feeling like frustration (laughs) or anger. (laughs) Right. That was us. I mean, it still is. I mean, like I'm not, I'm certainly not going to be on here preaching that we're perfect. Like we still both have big egos. Like we both want to be right. We just want to win. And the reality is it's not about like one or the other of you winning. And if one of you, one or the other of you is trying to win, then you're both losing. I mean, that's the reality. Yeah. That's the simplest way to think about it because you're you're not looking at it in the right way if you're trying to one up your partner or one up the person that you're you're you know you're arguing with. You're just you're not looking at it in the right way. So like what you said, Katie, was so powerful because it's like a lot of times you guys gotta be like, you know what, yeah, I was wrong. And usually what that what happens for us is the other person immediately is like, Yeah, I was too, <laughs> and then you can you, know, you can kind of move on. Because you're opening it up, like Andrew said, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're easing into it. You're opening up, you're coming in from a place where you're like, I'm putting my pride to the side. Listen, I was wrong. I made some mistakes. And then the other person in return is more receptive to kind of, you know, fessing up to some of the faults that they might've had in the same, in the same moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Giving up that power struggle is not easy, but it's definitely necessary. Right. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we found uh, this was one of the most helpful things that we got out of therapy, at least from my perspective. So on the on the fights or the rumbles where you just feel like you need something next level to help you out, like nobody's giving an inch. Uh, there's a thing called five and five. It's basically five minutes. You kind of interview the person for five minutes. So you are just able to ask questions. Like I'm able to ask Katie questions, not leading questions. Like, don't you think that you're this way? Or don't, <laughs> don't you think that? you have a total it, bitch it, move? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's more like you're asking questions within that five minute period to try to understand the, the other person and then they get five minutes to to sort of interview you and ask questions but you don't get to respond like if you're the yeah, asker you, you don't respond back to any of the questions you ask you just let them talk and then you switch yeah and it it causes you to pause you you actually listen to the other person you listen to their answer and then you formulate a different question um and if you do ask like leading questions or whatever you immediately are aware of it you're like oh Okay, I gotta I gotta change this up. I gotta change the way I'm I'm asking this, and we've found that to be really helpful. So it's five it's and like five. It's like a timeout. 
It's like an adult time. Adult time out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard of that, but I really like that. It just like for me, it's it takes the pressure off of feeling like I need to have a response and it helps me to like just breathe and center so that I can actually respond instead of react. Right. It may work great with kids too. I don't know, like a two and two or a three and three. Like it, it, I, th- I we've implemented it a couple times with our oldest daughter because she's able, she's seven and she's able to kind of like say, state what she needs. Cause a lot of times when she's acting a certain way, it's out of a need that she has. And so she just manifests it in, you know, behavior that's not super desirable. And so I think it's a good parenting tip too. Yeah. It's an interesting practice. Yeah. I love that y'all brought up the kid uh, scenario because like we, I tie that back to like our teaching to people all the time, because like you can tie so many things back to like the way that your kids are acting. And it's like in those moments where, like you said, like our daughter's almost six. And so like when she's not heard is when she gets frustrated and really upset. And I think that goes for all of us, by the way. But in those yeah, moments yeah. where like she's just she feels like she's not heard, that's when like the tantrum comes on and that's where the real frustration and anger and yelling and you know, all all the things of being upset come on when you're not actually giving her a moment to to lit to for to know that you've heard her, that you're actually listening and respond in an appropriate way. And I think you're right, Andrew. It ties back to that whole thing of like these these five questions. Like you're forcing yourself in that to say, I'm not going to respond to anything. So I'm just listening. And I Mm -hmm. think if we were more open to listening, (laughs) we'd have way less problems because we're constantly trying to come up with a reaction. Like you said, Katie, of like, what am I going to say in response to this rather than really hearing it and kind of taking it to heart? So I'd love both of that. Yeah, that's, it's been really helpful in just our communication because like you guys, we both you know, come from a place of wanting to be right. I think that's just the human condition. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think that um, I love what you guys are doing. I love the honesty. I love the way you're approaching your lives. And I just wondered if you could just, maybe we can kind of like bring it to a point of like, what do you want people to know about the um, the discomfort that you have felt over the time that you've been on your personal growth journey and why you feel like it has been beneficial. Why is it worth it? Yeah. Like why is the discomfort the powerhouse? Yeah. <laughs> the discomfort is the powerhouse because that's where you're doing all your learning. That's where you're doing the growing. If you didn't have the discomfort, you wouldn't be on the personal growth journey. If you didn't have those places where you had to push past what's comfortable, what would you be doing? You'd be doing the exact same things that you've always done. Like Brandon was saying earlier, you know, I was sitting on the couch for 112 years, like just doing the same things. Once you get to that point where you know that you have to push up, push out of that comfort zone, that's really where your life starts changing. And it's worth it because of who you are on the other side of that. I am not the same person that I was two years ago today. I'm sure you guys aren't the same people you were two years, 10 years ago. It's, it's a better way to live. For us, it's a better yeah. way to live. We live happier. We live healthier. We live with less anxiety and worry and stress. We are better parents and better spouses to each other. I think there's endless, endless things we've gotten. Yeah, I mean, the, the reality for me is growth, actual growth comes with action. So like you can't grow unless you're willing to like change the things that you're doing. And when you're constantly mm-hmm. doing the same things, I live this way Oh, for way too long, y'all, way too long. But I I literally sat there 
And I waited for someone to come like literally knock on my door with an opportunity for like a way I could change. But I wasn't able, wasn't able to ever see that like if I just took the reins, if I just went out there, if I leaned into some of this discomfort, that it would open the door to so many other opportunities. And that change that I was looking for was always there, but I just had to take the action to actually get to it. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Don't wait. Take action. I love that. Yeah, nobody's coming to save us, right? I think we all I think we all live that way, right? I mean, we're like we're in a job that we don't like, we're in a relationship we don't like, and we're in, you know, you name it, what we don't like, but we're always looking for like that savior, like that person that's just going to come and change her, that opportunity that'll be different. And you always hear people say like, "Well, if I just had this, if I just had this much money, if I just had this many listeners on my podcast, if I just had this, then I would be where I need to be." And the reality is if you had that tomorrow, you would still be the same person you are today if you're not willing to put yourself out there and grow. And if you're the same person in that situation, you're not going to be happy because you have to change. You have to be willing to look in the mirror and change the person that you are today to get to that place where you want to be. And I know that you can do that if you challenge yourself into some of that discomfort and actually go out there and do it. And the thing we always tell people is just do it. Do it because if you do it, you even if you fail, like you will grow. So you'll probably grow more. If it's a success, great. Then you got to where you wanted to be that way as well. But like until you go out there and have some of these small wins and go out there and do it and see like you can change it and things will be different. That's the, the only thing I could do for you because they could sit here and listen to us, both of us here all day. But unless they're willing to change it in their own life, it's just simply not going to be different. They have to be willing to look themselves in the mirror and say, I need to change because until you do that, it's it's not going to be different. Cool. That's a good place to end It's a it. great place to end. I love that. So important. Yeah. I love following you guys. You are always inspiring and energizing and just and real. And I love it. Yeah. Thank you. We, we appreciate your guys' honesty and everything that you're doing. It's it's refreshing to see that other people out there are ready and willing to be vulnerable like we talked about. Yeah, we're not crazy. <laughs> None of us are crazy. All right, guys. All right, thanks, Thank everybody, you so for listening. Much. Yep. Cheers. Yep, thanks, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you want to be our BFFs, leave us a review. It helps more people find the show and allows us to share our message with the world. We love y'all.